Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Cool. Well, this morning we've already had um, a bit of a taste of what I'm going to talk about. We've we've been responding to the God who does impossible things and who who breathes his life into impossible situations. And we've also watched a video about children and young people. Um, So yeah, today we're going to look at the next two core values in our series, which is honoring children and young people and recognizing the role that they play in God's family. And the second one, having a hope for eternal life. Before we go into the um, unpack those things and look at the Bible, I just want to quickly show you a picture. If the picture can come up on the screen. So it's, sorry, it's a little bit faded, it's not the best quality, but this is a picture of where I used to live. Um, it's a place in Indonesia, in Papua. Uh, Rachel and I spent 18 months in, on the side of a mountain. This is 6,000 feet up on, on, a, on a mountain. And as you can see, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, the little hut down on the right-hand side is a kitchen. That was our neighbor's hut. Um, and you can see the, the valleys below and the mountains across there. So our house would have been about 200 meters towards you, if that makes sense. So every morning, we'd get outside of our house and see this amazing view. And the clouds were below. And sometimes the clouds were inside our house, so we didn't have um, glass windows. We had net- netted windows. And so the clouds would come in. So you wake up, and you think the glory of the Lord had appeared, but <laughs> it was just a cloud, you did wake up inside of a cloud, but it was an amazing time that we had there, and like I say, that was our view every morning. Um, there's something funny about the human experience that when you see something every day, it becomes strangely familiar, and you, start, um, you stop taking notice of it. So for the first few months, this was, we just enjoyed it, we used to go outside and sometimes have breakfast outside and just look at the view. Um, the school that I used to work in was just down, um, down the path that way, about 20 minutes walk, so again, that was my view, walking to work. But after a few uh, months, it just became familiar, and I stopped taking notice of it. It was so close to me, but I just started missing it. I've started noticing the same thing living here in, um, in the Northeast. I, I've always wanted to live by the sea, and the sea just gives me so much life. I love going there for walks, for, um, go for walks on the beach, and just um, getting some space to process, to pray, to chat with friends, and things like that. It's, it's a place for me that gives me a lot of life. So... Um, I just love living here, and um, some of you know we've just moved down to Colorco. It's literally a minute's walk um, to the sea, to the nearest beach. And um, it's, it's, um, God, we're so grateful that God has provided the house for us there. But I've started noticing that same dynamic. Unless I'm really intentional about stepping outside my house and going for a walk on the beach, I just don't notice it. I just uh, I get just familiar, get carried away with everyday things, get doing work and jobs around the house, and I forget that just a minute's walk away it's a beautiful beach, a beautiful sea, and a place that gives me life. It's so close, but yet I still miss it. I think it's really important that we look at these two values today and all the core values that we're looking at in this series. Because sometimes in the Christian life, there are things which God gives to us which are so close, and we've become so familiar with them that sometimes we miss it. We miss what God wants to do um, through these values and, and what he's doing in this moment as well. So we're going to look at two values, like I say, honoring children and young people um, and recognizing the role they play in God's family and having a hope for eternity. These values are are things which which you may be familiar with. Obviously, this morning we've seen lots of children running around, but I wonder, did you notice them this morning? Did you notice what God was doing with them this morning? Did you notice what they carry? 
and the hope for eternity. It's, it's, a, it's a hope that is um, unique to the Christian faith. But have you, have you t- um, taken stock of it recently? And, and have you enjoyed it? So the first one, honouring children and young people. We're going to look at a quick story from uh, the book of Matthew. Jesus and his disciples had been chatting about marriage, about divorce, and about uh, remarriage, and all kind of having deep theological questions and answer times and, and conversations. And it says this in Matthew 19, that then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. So in the middle of this conversation that's happening, some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And then he placed his hands on them and he went on from there. Did you notice that the disciples nearly missed it? They nearly missed what God was doing in that moment. While the disciples were busy rebuking the parents, Jesus rebuked the disciples. Because while the disciples missed it, Jesus didn't. He said, let the little children come to me. I love this because Jesus is making room for children in his ministry, in his life, in his day. He's making room for the children. He's making time for them. He's noticing them. And he's also uh, noticing what God the Father is doing. Remember, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, and he only said what he heard the Father saying. So we know at this moment in time, when Jesus turns his attention to to the children, the Father has got his attention on the children as well. And that's just... For me, it's just really exciting. You get a glimpse of the Father's heart towards children. You also get it in the uh, previous chapter, uh, Matthew 18, where Jesus said this, Don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. That's one of my um, just verses that just blows my mind. You get a glimpse into what's going on in heaven. You get a glimpse that, first of all, it tells you that, that children have angels assigned specifically for them. That's just exciting. I, I don't know what they look like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're assigned just to children. The Father has assigned angels for the children. And they're so special to him that the Father doesn't want those angels to leave his presence. That tells me that there are some angels which do leave the Father's presence, but the ones reserved for the children stay in the Father's presence. He enjoys them that much. So the Father, Jesus, they value their children. And we want to be a church that values our children we want to be a church that notices our children, notices what God's doing them, what they offer to us as the body of Christ, and what destiny they have, that God has for them. So that's, that's Jesus' heart for them. He wants the children to come to him. He loves them. He values them. But we also want to rec- be a church that recognizes that these children do have something to offer us, that we don't have to wait till they're adults until they start playing a role in God's family. We want to be a church that recognizes that they carry something right now and that we need them right now. So the first thing I want to just um, suggest that they, the role, uh, one of the roles they play is that they're actually role models for us. In that um, story I read out, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Straight away, Jesus holds up children as role models to us as adults. Yeah. It's often the other way around, isn't it, when you ask children who are your role models and they start naming other like adults or people who are older than them. But actually, when Jesus asks us, who are your role models? He's already told us the answer. He wants the children to be our role models. 
It's something that Jesus does quite a lot in, as you follow his teaching. Um, when he's trying to point out uh, something in the kingdom, he often looks to creation to, 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 as an example. He reveals his kingdom through creation. So when Jesus is saying, don't worry about money, he points to the birds and says, look at the birds. When he says, don't worry about the clothes that you're wearing, he points to the lilies. When he says, what's faith like? He points to the mustard seed. He points to creation to reveal his kingdom. And in this example, he's pointing to children to reveal his kingdom. He w- so what is it that he wants us to know about, um, to learn from these children? Well, the first thing I think he wants us to learn is about their humility. So again, in Matthew 18, the chapter before, he says, unless you humble yourself and become like a little child, you can't receive the kingdom. There's something about children is that they know how to receive. If you've been with a child for one or two minutes, you know that they know how to ask for things. <laughs> they, they know, they, can I have a drink, can I have a sweets, can I have a chocolate, can I have a biscuit? You go to take them to the shops, can I have a magazine, can I have this toy, can I have that toy? They know how to ask for things, they know how to receive. They're, just by their nature, they're dependent people. They're dependent on, on parents for guidance, for provision, for wisdom. They know where to look when they need things. And I think, to me, that's the definition of hu- humility, the willingness to receive. They don't go, um, come into life proud and they, thinking they know this, they know that, they can do this, they can do that. They, there's a humility t- to learn and a willingness to receive. And I think that's one of the main things that Jesus wants us to learn from children. Have you noticed in Scripture how many times Jesus tells his disciples to ask for something? He doesn't say you have to work for it. He doesn't say if you have to earn for it. He says, ask for it. I've uh, just literally in a few minutes, I quickly looked up four, four verses. Ask and you will receive Whatever you ask for in my name, I will give it to you. Oh, I've forgotten them now. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. All things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Just a few. There's, there's loads more. Because the kingdom is based on relationship. It's based on us as God's children and God as, his, uh, as our Father. And he wants us to ask for things not work for things, not strive for things, not try to earn things. He just wants us to ask for things. And I think that's one of the main things that we as adults can learn from the children that surround us. The second thing I think um, where children have a role to play in this, in this family, in, in, in God's family, is in the area of worship and warfare. This is one of my kind of life scriptures which I've, I've gone back to time and time again when I've worked with children it's Psalm 8, verse 2, and it says this, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. I'm just going to read that again. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. It's just one verse, but it's such a powerful verse, and again, it's easily missed. We all know that worship is a weapon. Um, worship is, a, is an amazing gift from God to get us closer to him, to sing his praises, but it is also a weapon in, this, in kind of the battle. And here, the psalmist says that children have an important um, role to play within that, that area. When it comes to children worshipping, they silence the foe and the avenger. They overcome the enemy through, just through their worship. It tells me that in, the, in the, the worship pie, there's a piece that Jesus has reserved just for children. It's really exciting to me that, that God has got this, this role reserved for them. And I, it's even more exciting to me that, that the Bay is a place where God has kind of gifted um, us as a community with 
with, with worship, with worship leaders, with musicians, and, and a, a kind of a deep well of worship in this community. And it's essential that that is passed on to the next generation as well, that, that it's not just something that they wait for um, until they're adults to be a part of. But from day one, they're, they're growing up in this environment of worship, and it's so lovely to see the children here just playing and having fun while we're all worshipping. But it's also one of the things that God is doing at the moment as well with, um, with our children. So um, every week we have children, um, children's workers who run the sessions for us for the, for the different children, and they do an amazing job of, of teaching the word of God and, and being, building relationships with our, with our children. And once a month, we've um, got an extended worship upstairs where the um, two middle groups come together to worship. Um, it's, it's just as we have extended worship here, we have a whole session just for worship. And it's been amazing over the last few months to see some of the children um, start leading worship there. Some of them have got an amazing gift of singing and, and a heart for worship, and we wanted to make the most of that and give them opportunities to start leading from day one. Last week, um, Rachel led a, a session on prophetic worship, and the children were writing their own song to Jesus. And it was honestly one of the most beautiful times of worship I've been in, where they, we just literally, the children, Rachel led them in a, a kind of a prayer time of asking Jesus to tell him who he is to them. And they all came up with different words. Jesus said, oh, I'm creative, I'm lovely, I'm, I'm funny, and all those kind of different things. And so we just turned those words into a song. And the song became, Jesus, you're so lovely. Jesus, you're so creative. Jesus, you're so happy. Jesus, you're so smiley. And we just sang it over and over again, and the presence of God filled the room. It was beautiful to see these children engaging in worship. It's also been amazing to see over the last um, few months that, again, the teenagers, I think only, was Ola here? I saw Ola. And Dan and Josh and Amy as well is just doing some amazing work with the teenagers. She's um, teaching Ola guitar, teaching, um, doing some vocal coaching, and just getting together just to worship with them. It's amazing to see that the, the teenagers have a hunger for worship and to see God bring people around them who have a gift for worship and who want to develop that in the teenagers. This week on, it's Halloween, and on Tuesday night we have, we have a youth group, and this Tuesday we're going to go out onto the streets and do some worship on the streets around Whitley Bay. Again, just there's a, a sense where God has got a part of, um, a role to play for these teenagers to see his kingdom come, not just here in the church, not just in, but out on the streets as well. God is doing something really beautiful with worship and the children, and so we want to be investing in that. And if you, it's not surprising, because if you look through history, if you look through the revivals that have taken place, it's often um, the two go hand in hand, children and worship. So if you think about the Welsh revival at the beginning of the 1900s, it was a Welsh re the, the revival that spreads all around Wales and then around the UK and even um, kind of was a catalyst for the um, Azusa Street revival in America. But one of the w main ways that the revival spread was through children um, forming kind of choir groups and going to the streets to worship, going to restaurants to, to, to worship, going into schools to worship. And the presence of God that they were carrying kind of seeped through society. And it, it, yeah, like I said, it was a catalyst for another major revival. More recently, uh, um, many of you will have heard of Soul Survivor, a, a, a church down in, in London that kick-started a whole youth movement. So now, I think for the last 20 years, every summer, thousands of young people gather together um, in fields to go, to go camping, but also to worship. And worship is at the center of what's going on there. Soul Survivor have been amazing. People like Matt Redmond, Tim Hughes, all have come from this one church that are invested in young people and invested in worship. And they've raised up loads and loads of worshipers um, and worship leaders who now songs, kind of, they, they fill the churches all around the world. Tim Hughes was 14 years old when he started leading worship. And look at him now. Matt Redman, again, 14, 14, 15 years old, I think a bit older. 
It's amazing to see what God does when young people and worship come together. So yeah, we want to be a church that loves our children well, that recognizes them, that honors them, that, and that sees what God is doing with them. We want to be a church that says, whether you've just been born or you're 100 years old, there's a place for you here, and we need you. We need the gift that you carry. We need the anointing in your life. We need what God is doing in you. So that's, I'm going to leave it there for the um, honoring children and young people. But it is a, it's a way we express love. So we have, in core values, we have these three main values, love, presence, and power. But love has to look like something. It's not just something we can write on a piece of paper. It's not just something we can kind of say we are loving. It's got to look like something. And one of the ways we want to say that love looks like is by honoring our children and young people. I'm going to move on to the um, second core value we're looking at today, which is having a hope for eternal life. And for this one, we're going to just quickly look at Titus. Um, so it's in the first chapter. So Titus was one of Paul's co uh, co-workers. He was, again, a, a younger person that Paul invested in. Paul had planted churches all around Ephesus, and he, um, and he kind of left young leaders um, when he, he planted them, and then he left young leaders there to run the churches, and he went off and planted more churches, and Titus was one of those leaders. And Paul wrote this letter to him. He said at the beginning, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time, and which now at his appointed season he brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God my Savior. So in the beginning of this letter, Paul is writing a greeting, and he's, he's, um, he's, he's kind of unpacking the call on his life. And in the middle of that, he says this, in the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. Paul knew that central to his faith, central to the Christian message, was his hope of eternal life. Now, I don't know what um, eternal life means to you when you hear those words. But, um, for many people, it, it's, a, it's something that happens after we die. A quick search on Google or Wikipedia says it's a, it's a spiritual existence after the death of the body. And, and even the Apostles' Creed, which is foundational to the Christian faith, says this, I believe in the resurrection of the body and in the life everlasting, which again, just in the order that it's all written, indicates that life everlasting happens after the resurrection of the body. I don't usually argue with the Apostles' Creed because it's lasted a lot longer than I'm going to last, but it's, I think the order of the way it's written kind of hints towards that everlasting life is something that happens after we die. But that's not what Jesus defines it as. Jesus defines eternal life as this. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is relationship. Eternal life is relationship, and it's for the here and now. If you know Jesus, you're living an eternal life right now. That's why it's, it's, it's okay for us to sit having eternal life under the banner of love because it's about relationship. Yeah. It's not about a thing that's going to happen to us. It's about a person we're, in, we're united with. Just to unpack this a little bit more, I'm just going to quickly read out three different scriptures just to, to really hammer home that, present, that eternal life is a presence tense reality. Again, John 5, it says this, I tell you the truth that those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. They've already done it. They've passed from death into life. It's a present tense reality. 
Paul writes in Ephesians, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Every spiritual blessing is ours already because we're, we're united with Jesus. Again in Ephesians 2, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus. It's a present tense reality. Eternal life is not something to wait for. It's something that's already happened to us. And again, I just want to say it's, it's so close to us. It's a part of us, but there's a danger that we can miss it. We don't have to wait for tomorrow what is ours today. Now, I think understanding this um, eternal life, the fact that it's ours for today, is a real game changer. It's, it's a real perspective changer about how we go about our day to day. And this is something that God is teaching me. Um, he's been teaching me the last few weeks, really. It's, it, it's not something that's just theologically great to know. It's, it, it changes our everyday experience. Yesterday, I was walking in Druridge Bay. I was preparing, I went there to prepare for this um, this morning. And I was just really enjoying walking along the beach, but it was a really windy day, and the sand was just going crazy. It was beautiful to watch these patterns, like the, sauna, the sand was like kind of being flown in the air and waving around and going to the sea. It was pretty mental, to be honest. Um, but I, I walked down the beach, and then I got to um, the ends of the bay, and I just turned around to walk back to the car. And as I turned around, suddenly all this sand just flew into my face and into my eyes, and it was getting hard to see, but I kind of persevered for a little bit. And after a minute, I was just like, this is ridiculous. I'm this is just hurting my eyes right now. Um, but I noticed there was some sand dunes to the left of me, so I just went up them, and I thought, the sand's not going to go up there. I can go walk a higher place. I can still enjoy the view, still enjoy the, the beach, um, and get to my car um, without going blind. So, um, so I did that, and it, it worked. There was no sand up there, and I got to enjoy everything. But what happened is I went to a higher place, and I got there without any kind of obstacles in my face. And I think... When we understand this eternal life, this, it's a different perspective on everyday life. It's uh, when we understand that eternal life isn't something we have to wait for, but it's our everyday experience. When obstacles come our way, when challenges come our way, or when the enemy throws something out our way, we can either face it head on and have it all flung in our face, or we can get to that higher place and recognize that actually Jesus wants us, uh, or Jesus has already placed us in heavenly realms, seated with him. And actually, we're looking down on those challenges. We're looking down on those obstacles. We're looking down on the enemy. We don't have to face them head on. We can look at them from Jesus' perspective. Yeah. Eternal life and the blessings that come with it, they're not something to wait for. They're ours today. So how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place of, 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 of living in that reality and it not just being head knowledge? Because it's easy when you study scripture just to, to know something in our minds but not really experience it. Well, I think that's where hope comes in. If you remember from the, the Titus letter, it says it's the hope of eternal life. It's just not the, it's not the knowledge of eternal life. It's the hope of eternal life. And hope isn't a, it's not a feeling, it's a substance. It's something that God gives to us that, that lives inside of us. Hope is the vehicle that gets us to the destination. Ho hope is the, the fuel in the engine that keeps us going forward. And again, at the center of that, it's the relationship with Jesus where we get that hope from. Many of you will know the story of Abraham and Isaac. Um, in the Old Testament, Abraham was uh, 75 years old, roughly, and God appeared to him and promised him a child. 
He said, you're going to be the father of nations, and from your child, many more children will come. The whole of Israel will be born. But he was pretty old. And so with that impossibility facing him, he kind of went about things his own way, tried to, uh, had his own child through um, his, his uh, servant girl, Haggai, and, and they gave birth to Ishmael. But it wasn't God's way. But God was faithful and still gave him the promised child, Isaac. In, in Romans 4, Paul, reflecting on this story, writes this, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I love Paul's honesty in this and, and, and Abraham's honesty that, um, that Paul writes about. Abraham never denied his age. Abraham never denied his obstac- the obstacles. Abraham never denied the impossibility of it all. He says he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He faced the fact that Sarah room, Sarah's womb was also dead. He didn't live in denial about the challenges or the obstacles. He faced the fact that they were true. And yet, on the other hand, he didn't waver from the promise that God gave him. Against all hope, Abraham, Abraham in hope believed. There was a supernatural grace in Abraham that allowed him to keep on going despite the obstacles, despite the challenges, despite the impossibility of the situation. God gave Abraham a, a hope to keep him going forward. Again, hope was the vehicle that got Abraham to the destination. So where do we get that kind of hope from? Where do we get that kind of faith from? Well, again, I just want to say it's not something that we work for or earn or strive for. Where does it come from? Well, I think we need to end where we began. Because Jesus told us um, from that verse at the beginning to become like little children. He said, you don't have to earn this, you don't have to work for it, you don't have to strive for it. You just have to ask for it. So where do we get more hope from? We ask the Father for it. It's not something that we work for, it's something we ask for. Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure to give us his kingdom. The Father loves giving good things to his children. And we've already seen, we've already some time to, um, to respond to, 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 to who God is as we face these impossible situations already. We, and I don't know what situations you're facing, what obstacles you're facing, what challenges you're facing but we've got a father who wants to give us his kingdom. He wants us to become like little children so that no matter what um, obstacle it is, no matter what challenge it is, there's a place of asking and receiving from him. And that's what's going to get us through those challenges. So we've looked at two uh, values that that we as a church want to embody. Some uh, we're we're there on one level, but we're also, there are kind of values we want to aspire to as well. Honoring children and young people and having hope for eternity. And as you can see, they're not, um, they're not separate. It's all about relationship. Children are held up as role models for us. And this hope of eternity is about relationship. So what we're going to do today is um, we've got about 10 more minutes before the children come down. So... Um, I think it would just be really good to respond to this. And what I'd like to do is if we can just all stand.
Maybe I could ask the worship band to come back as well. That'd be right. We're going to have some time responding now, but just to say again, um, in the service t- t- tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at the same things. We've got a bit more room to be doing some more prayer ministry. Um, and if there's um, children there tonight, then we will be praying for them as well. Um, so if you've got children who are upstairs and you want to bring them tonight, then we're going to be praying for them um, in the service at 6.30. But I want us just to respond to this, um, just this word about hope, really. Um, if you're facing an impossible situation, if, you're, if you've got an obstacle in front of you, and I know, again, we've had some time to respond this morning, but there's always more. There's always more. Eternal life is a, it's an ongoing thing. It's a, it's a here and now thing, but there's always more. So if that's you and you just want to respond, this, um, you can just place your hands in front of you or just, if you want, again, you can come to the front, but we're going to carry on worship. Um, so should we just pray as we um, finish? And as I was praying uh, this morning, I just felt this is an, this is an impartation of hope. It's, it's a supernatural thing. It's not something, again, I've said it, we, we don't have to work for it. We don't have to strive for it. We just have to ask for it. And Jesus said, if you ask, you will receive. So if that's you, I just want to just, uh, just invite you to start asking for it now. And it might be that you feel, I've asked for this before. I've asked for this situation to change. I've asked for this obstacle to be removed already. But there's something about asking, keep on asking. In our English translations, it says, ask and you will receive. In the you look at the, the original language and it says, ask and keep on asking and you will receive. So if you're, so this, is a, this morning is an opportunity just to ask another time. So Father, yeah, we come to you this morning and we thank you that we are your children, that you're our Father. I thank you what you've already done this morning. Lord, I thank you that there's a, it's a space and a, a time to receive from you this morning. And, and Father, we ask for that hope. Father, we ask for hope to keep on going. Lord, we ask for hope for these obstacles to be removed. We ask for hope for challenges to be removed from us, Lord. And we ask that you take us to a higher place. Lord, I thank you that eternal life is for now, that there are spiritual blessings to be received right now. And Lord, we ask for them to be poured out this morning. Come and breathe afresh into our situations. Lord, Lord, where people are feeling like dry bones, Lord, we pray, breathe your life on them. Lord, breathe your life on them.